chapter 10 and verse number 16, the Bible says this, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let's read that one more time. This is Matthew chapter 10, verse number 16. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for your blessings upon us. Thank you, God, for the, uh, uh, the wonderful things that you did this week during our missions conference. I thank you, God, for um, the fresh oil, Lord, that you have anointed me with, the blessings, God, that you have bestowed upon me, just the uh, grace that you showed unto me. And I trust, Lord, I'm not the only one that received the blessings and grace of God this week. Um, God, I, but I know that you have them, uh, showers of blessings, God, just to pour down upon your people. And uh, God, we'll enjoy them so much better when we recognize them. We'll enjoy them so much better when we receive them. And we'll re enjoy them so much better when we just open our hearts to what you have for us. There is no better life than the life that is sold out unto you. God, I, I know. God, I just pray this people knows. I pray, God, you help us, Lord, and uh, we'll give you the thanks and glory for it. You know what we stand in need of tonight. Um, you know where each uh, heart stands. God, I just pray, Lord, that you uh, speak to hearts, help your preacher, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We've been speaking, of course, uh, and enjoying some great messages um, concerning missions this week, by and large, uh, the m messages revolving around missions. And I want to give you this uh, definition for mission, and it's uh, simply this, and that means to send. A sending or being sent, usually the latter. Uh, a being sent or delegated by authority with certain powers for transacting business, commission, or sent on a foreign mission. And when you, when you think about that word mission, my mind goes to um, in Corinthians, where, where uh, the Bible talks about how we are ambassadors for Christ, how we are sent, and we are in a foreign land, and we have authority for transacting business. That's we as Christians are, right? And so we, are, we as Christians, all of us, we're called um, to be missionaries. I believe with all my heart foreign missions... And what we do over here is a mandate of God. And if we as a church are going to follow the mandate of God, then that will be part of what we do. Amen? Do you all agree with that? I mean, I believe that is a large part of the church. As uh, Brother Porterfield mentioned, churches bear churches. And so, you know, we send out these missionaries to... Uh, begin and raise up churches and disciple souls and just so that the work of God will go throughout the world. I, I believe that should be a great part of the local church, uh, but I also believe it is not the only part of the local church. This church has more to give than that. We have a mission as well. And I, I, there's nobody in here, as far as I know, that has at least announced a call to the foreign mission field. Is anybody, anybody in here like that? No, no one here, God, has called to the mission field to in Uganda or Australia or 
Alaska or Brazil, wherever. God has not laid that on your heart. If he has laid that on your heart, no one here, at least as far as I know, has announced that call. But I promise you this, God still has a mission for you. It may not be there, but God still has a mission for you. Now, in this passage of Scripture here, we read uh, verse number 16. It's, Behold, I send you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, this verse that I took here is a part of the dictate that Christ gave the 12 uh, disciples that he he put into uh, uh, office, I guess you would say, at the beginning of chapter 10. And all of chapter 10 here is, if you were to go here, you would see Jesus called those uh, disciples to be apostles, and then he sends them out. Verse number 5, these 12 sent, uh, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go. Now, uh, a lot of this we can glean from. Some of this is not pertaining to the church nor to us. It was pertaining to those disciples at that time. At that time, Jesus sent them out to go unto the Jew for the, for the purpose of preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We see that in verse number 7. He says uh, in verse number 5, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and unto the city of the Samaritans. He sent them unto there. So that, that's, that changed after his death, burial, and resurrection when the Jews had rejected Christ. And, he, and there's, so some, there's some things throughout here that we can't really necessarily apply to ourselves, but we can apply a lot of it, and we can glean understanding from God's mindset on what He wants when um, He sends forth those in His name to reach others. Several things that we could look at right here. Number one, we could look at number, uh, verse number 24, and that is to understand the correct Order of authority. Verse number 24, it says this. It says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. That seems pretty elementary to me. I don't know about you. You know, you have, you have a Lord and you have servants. Right? Lord and servants. You have a boss and workers. That's, uh, that, to me, that seems, that seems elementary. Let's read it one more time. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. But you know what? As, as easy and elementary as that sounds, we oftentimes, man, we, everyone in here is so guilty of taking that and perverting it or acting like it doesn't exist. Let me give you an example. Anyone ever have children disobey? Amen? Uh, for whenever I say that, it's like I hear uh, like a collective giggle, you know, out there. <laughs> if I have children, but... <laughs> Right here. Um, your children, you are the Lord of your children. You are the boss of your children. Or at least that's the dictate. Well, it should be, right? That, that, but, but you see, we have children that, that, that will look unto the parents, well, I know better than you. I know you said this, but I, I think I just want to do this. You have uh, the same issue with Christians. There's many Christians... God will mandate, God will dictate, God will direct, and we as Christians will say, ah, don't, don't think I want to do that. What are we doing when we do that? We are superseding His authority. We are saying, God, I know better than you, and I know you want me to do this, but I just assume do this, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. It goes back all the way to the very beginning. It is simply a spirit of rebellion. And if we understand that we have that spirit of rebellion within our natural selves, then we will understand how to combat it and to uh, push it to the side so we can be the new creature God desires us to be. We see the correct order of authority in verse number 24. We also see thoughts concerning fear. 
uh, just a little ways down, verse number 26. says this, fear them, uh, fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing hid, uh, nothing covered that shall not be revealed, or hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness that speak ye in the light, and uh, what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye in the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. And he says this, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And in, uh, of course, it goes on, verse number third, not 31, fear ye not, therefore you are of more value than many spirits. So several times in that short passage of Scripture, he's saying, don't fear this, but ye should fear this. There is unfortunately no fear of God before the eyes of man today. I, 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 had, a, uh, I had something uh, sent to me, and that was, that was simply this, and that was, it stated, if, if men feared hell like they do coronavirus, more people would get right with God. Right? I mean, something very simple, and it's very elementary. You see people gripped with fear with, with what is going on today, right, wrong, or, or, or otherwise. It really doesn't matter. But hell is a very real thing. And we preach it, and we talk about it, and we tell about it, and there is no fear of hell before mankind today. And it's not just before the lost church. I submit to you that I believe that there's really no fear of hell in the mind of the Christian today. And the Christian says, well, I don't have to fear hell, preacher, because I know I'm not going there. Thank God I'm not either. Hey, man, I'm glad for that. But I've got people I know and love that are going there. I've got people I care about that are going there. I've got people I really don't care about that are going there. But if we really understood hell about what it is, then we'd care that they didn't go there too. As we looked at Brother Whitlow's presentation um, on Thursday, I believe it was. Brother Whitlow, for those of you that uh, were not here, Brother Whitlow is a missionary of Rock of Ages uh, Ministries. And God has called him to the mission field in California to go and preach to the prisons up and down that state, 35, I think, prisons between the state, federal, and juvenile uh, prisons, penitentiaries in that state, 35 of them, uh, if memory serves correctly. And he's, God's called him to the homeless there. And we looked at that video, and he had on some people that we would know from the news that we're familiar with, the Menendez brothers, y'all familiar with the Menendez brothers? You remember that? The two twin brothers that shot and killed their mommy and daddy. I mean, and it didn't go into this, but I recall that. They went and shot, killed them, come back out, reloaded, and went and shot them some more. That's pretty heinous. It's pretty bad, right? And then uh, Scott Peterson, who drowned his pregnant wife, or uh, I don't know if he drowned, he killed her and then threw her body uh, in, in the river. I mean, reprehensible people. But church, listen, do you think that God desires that they go to hell? I mean, we might. We might look upon them, man, they ain't worth saving. Jesus thought they were worth saving enough that he gave his life's blood for them. And so uh, when, we, uh, when we think about 
this simple passage about fear, it's like we fear what man will say if we share the gospel. We fear what repercussions there will be if we share the gospel. We fear what, uh, you know, somebody might speak against us if we, if we just boldly come out and tell people about Jesus Christ. We fear that, but instead, what we should fear is the God of heaven and the hell that awaits all of those that know not Christ. And whether they are reprehensible human beings that have done just horrible, horrible acts, or they're the good person next door that thinks they're getting there on their good works, they're all going to go to the same hell, church. And they're all going to go there unless they hear about Jesus Christ. And the only way they're going to hear about Jesus Christ is if we tell them. And so we see that some thoughts concerning fear. We see the correct mindset of what Christ's followers should be. Verse number 37, uh, he says, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter worthy, uh, more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. We see that that should be the correct mindset. Christ should be first in everything that we do. Christ should be preeminent in our minds and in our lives for all the decisions that we make. Every place that we go, how we represent, how we dress, how we do this, how we do that. It ought to be Christ first, everything else second. And that includes even those closest to us as much as we love them, our uh, sons and daughters, our fathers and our mothers. Christ should be more important than even them in our lives. And then we see... Um, Verse number 39, recompense of choice. Verse number 39, it says, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And so, you know, we, we can look down. There's a lot of things we can glean from chapter 10 in Matthew where Christ is sending out those 12 apostles. He's sending them out. He says, I send you. We see who it was that sent him. He said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And so, tonight I want to speak just for a few moments on this mission possible. Christ has a mission for each and every one of us. Christ has a mission for Brother Whitlow going to uh, California. He has a mission for Brother uh, Ziss going to the Philippines. He has a mission for uh, Brother David and Brother Dylan going to the UK. He has a mission uh, for Brother Porterfield going to East Africa. God has a mission for me here in Belmont and the Mid-Ohio Valley. And God has a mission for you. He has a mission for all of us. And I want you to know that whatever mission God has called you to, it is possible to accomplish it. It is possible to accomplish it, whatever it is. As outlandish as it may seem, it is possible uh, to accomplish it. So, and I just wonder, you know, I, I wonder about that fact. If God calls me to a mission, if I fail in that mission, does God just raise someone up to put in my place so that the work will go forth. In some instances, yes. Not in all. God, part of my mission right now is to be pastor of this church. I believe that to be the call of God, and I hope you do. If you don't, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I believe that. But you know what else is part of my mission? To be a good husband to my wife. To love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Another part of my mission is to raise my children up in the admonishment of the Lord. 
to raise my children up and to love them enough to lead them in the right path. And I'll, 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 I'll just say this, and that is, if I fail in that mission, who is going to take my place? Who, who is going to be the husband to the wife that, uh, it, it, rather than me? If I fail in that, who is going to do that? Who is going to raise my children? There are plenty of people that can come along and help. But if I fail in that, I have failed in that, and I have failed them. And the same holds true for you. So, we'll speak about this mission that God has called us to. Number one, we've got to realize it. Um, realizing God has a mission for us. In order to do our mission, we have to realize that God, God has one for us. I don't, there's so many people, so many Christians that they get saved. And uh, they're so glad that they're not going to hell. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Amen. Anybody else with me? I'm glad I'm not going to hell. But then that's kind of it. And then they meander through this life and they continue making the same decisions, whatever it was they wanted to do prior to that. They just continue making the same decisions. Th- those decisions, God saves for a purpose. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. God saved us for a purpose. I had read last, uh, last week, I believe it was, out of John chapter 21. And we can see... In John chapter 21, Jesus going to Peter, Jesus talking to Peter, Jesus had a specific mission for Peter. We see in John 21, this is after they had dined there. Let me just read it to you. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. That's what he wants them to do. It's his mission, feed his lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Say unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. That's his mission. Feed his sheep. He saith unto him the third time. Why? Because Peter didn't get it the first and second. Right? I, I, I can't tell you how many times God has told me to do something, but I didn't get it that first time. And so you know what? He told me again. I didn't get it that, 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 that next time. He tells me again. Why? Because that mission never changed. God has a plan for my life. And so he tells him the third time. He said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto you. So that's his mission. That's his mission. But see, it gets more specific than that. Because why? Because Christ knew the end as well as he did the beginning. He knew where Peter was to end up just as he knew where he was when he got him at the Sea of Galilee. And so he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, walkest whither thou wouldest. He says, But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. And then it continues on. I don't have it in my notes, but he said, This spake he concerning uh, his death. You see, Peter, Peter died on the cross for the cause of Christ. Uh, history tells us that they, they crucified him, and he desired to be crucified upside down. Why? Because he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord. And so Peter gave his life for, his, for, for, for Christ, and he knew this. And Jesus told him, This is what it's going to cost you. But then he continued on, he says, follow me. Why? Because that was God's plan for his life. That was God's mission for his life. That was what Christ wanted him to do with his life. He had a a general call, and then it was a very specific thing for Peter. 
I believe God called me to preach some, I, I don't know how long ago it has been now, some, uh, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, 17, somewhere in that ballpark, uh, God called me to preach. And uh, here, two and a half years ago, uh, not too long, it'll be three years ago, God called me and said, okay, there's a church up in Belmont, I want you to go pastor. And God called me up here. I, I, I could have been either faithful to the call and come, or I could have rejected the call and not. Now, I, don't, I, I have no way of knowing what this church would be like or what my life would be like had I rejected that call. But it would be different. God would have placed another man in here. And maybe there, this church would be going a different direction right now. Maybe better in man's eyes, but uh, maybe not necessarily in God's eyes. Why? Because God had a plan for me, a plan for you, a plan for us coming together to do a work here in Belmont. So that was the specific call. Now, what God has for me uh, next week or next year, so I don't know. I know that God placed me, I believe with all my heart, God placed me in the first pastorate that I was in. And I believe he placed me there for a very specific purpose. That church was under the bondage of man. That church was being held captive by man and man's devices. It was being run by uh, a couple families. And God brought me in there ignorant of that fact. God brought me in there to liberate that church. And once that liberation was done within the year, God said, Okay, man, your work here is done. And... Uh, that, that next Sunday, I came to the church, and I preached a message on preparation. I told him there, I said, look, uh, this will be the last message I preached to you as your pastor. And um, I, I don't know why, I, I don't, you know, the church didn't understand it at the time, but I understood it, and uh, it, that just was the call of God. And so, therefore, we, I needed to be obedient to that. That church is doing well today, and, and I believe it's because I was obedient unto the call of God. Was there anything good in me? Absolutely not. But church, listen, you don't have to be good. All you have to be is obedient. And I can't stress that enough. If we will just be obedient, God can do things with us and through us that matter eternally. God has a mission for you. He has a mission for me. It's just finding that mission. So, preacher, how do we find that mission? Well, I think it's very simple, and that, that is this, and that is just ask him. You know what I want? If I want to know what my wife is thinking, you know what I do? Oftentimes, let me tell you the incorrect way of doing it, and that is assume what I think she meant. Right? You know what I mean. <laughs> Just assume, uh, okay, well, my wife would probably want this. Let me tell you what, that has not been a recipe for success in my marriage. You know what's best? Ask her. Honey, what is it you would like? What would you like me to do? What do you think about this? I ask her. And whenever I ask her, Usually, I can decipher exactly what it is, and then hopefully I can accomplish that in which what it is. But when we think about what our mission is unto God, what God wants us to do, we have Scripture that shows us just what great men of God did back then. And all they did, you know what they did? They asked Him. Paul, in Acts chapter 9, he met the Lord on the road of Damascus. God smote him. God spoke to him. God called him. And then it says here in Acts chapter 9, verse number 6, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord told him, uh, said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told there what thou must do. And there's a lot of things you could glean out of that passage of Scripture. But it's, one thing is this. Paul said, What do you want me to do? And the Lord said, I want you to do this. 
Now, did, did God give Paul the entirety of his life in that moment when he asked him? No. He said, I want you to go this and do this. Then I'm going to give you more direction. And so here in, in my ministry, God has called me here, and he says, I, I, I'm, I want you to do this. I want you to go here and do this. And then it might come at some point where God says, okay, then now I want you to do this. I don't know. But you know what? It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Why? Because if we're obedient to the call of God, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe the Scripture, all things work to the good of them that are called according to God and according to uh, His purpose. So if we're simply obedient unto that, and Paul, Paul suffered in this life, but I mean to tell you what, I guarantee you he is not sorry that he did what he did and uh, made those decisions back here. So Samuel, Samuel is another one, 1 Samuel 3, 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli, said, Here am I, uh, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called his other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that heareth it uh, shall tingle. And so, Samuel, what is it, Lord? What is it, Lord? He simply asked him, what is it? And God began to speak unto him. Paul said, what would you have me do? And he said, I want you to do this. Do you know why I think many people don't ask, Lord, here am I. Here am I. What would you have me to do? I think many of us are afraid of what God would say in response. I think many of us are just terrified of the response of God and what He would say. Are you afraid of what God may ask you to do? How many of you, how many of you have been in, in a certain situation and you've been around someone and God pressed upon your heart, speak to them about me? Has anyone experienced that? Speak to them about me. Tell them about me. Give them a track. Has anyone ever been in that situation? Now, how many of you have been in that situation and said, maybe next time? Anybody? Oftentimes, we will ignore, and we, we will ignore the call of God on our life because we don't want to do what He's called us to do. So, understanding our mission, realizing that God has a mission for it, now defining it. We need to be open to what God would have for us. God will give us that direction if we will seek it. I believe with all my heart, He has done that in my life. He has done that in Scripture. God will give us direction if we will simply be open to receiving it and willing to follow it. So what we need to do next is simply to uh, claim it. Okay, God, this is what you want me to do. I remember, and I'm sorry for using myself in, in, in these illustrations, but, um, you know, I have only one life and I have one experience to, to share with you. But I remember back, uh, you know, 17 years ago, however long it was, about God impressing the call upon uh, my heart to uh, preach. And I, I did not know what that meant. I, you know what I did? I talked to my pastor. I said, I, said, I believe God is calling me to preach. And uh, listen, it, it, it's good to seek out godly counsel. Multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
And so I, I, I said, this is, this is what I, I believe. You know what he advised me to do? Pray. <laughs> Seek God's face. And so he and I prayed and fasted. God had settled it. I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget uh, how he did that. And I'll not go into it tonight. But God had uh, settled it just as clear as what I could have ever asked for um, the, the night before we were breaking our fast. And um, um, when I broke my fast, I ate back, uh, back then it was those $6 burgers from Hardee's. Anybody ever eat those? They were good. Anyway, that was a, that was a wonderful sandwich. I'll never forget that. Uh, but I, I, I said, okay, this is it. I claimed it. I accepted it. And then I proclaimed it. He is my pastor. He said, all right, if God has settled this in your heart and this is what you believe God would want you to do, then uh, on church I want you to announce that uh, to the church. And so on Sunday I stood up and I announced that call to the church. And you know what that did? I not only was accountable unto God at that moment, now I was accountable unto man as well. I was accountable unto man. And so if I am to shirk that responsibility, there is, there is more at stake for me to continue down the path of God rather than just to uh, turn it aside. And uh, church, in this weak flesh that we have, in this weak, weak flesh that we have, we need accountability. The Bible says this in Psalms 119, 26, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So, uh, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. And so by doing that, it just solidified it in my mind. It made me accountable unto man. And therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. I'm on my way to accomplishing what God has for me. And so how do we do that? Accomplishing this mission, lastly here, uh, the first thing I want you to understand in the ability to accomplish the mission, whatever that mission may be. Brother Whitlow, um, I'll just use him for his example. He was... He pastored for over 20 years, I think 21 years, uh, down in the uh, Virginia-North Carolina border. God called him from that pastorate to come and be dean of students at the college up here in Ohio. And um, he did that for a specific purpose. I don't know if you were not here. Let me just share that with you some. God called them up there. At least initially, they did not enjoy the move or the atmosphere or anything like that where they moved. But it wasn't just uh, right after that his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and then colon cancer. God had put them, rather than down in the country, out in the sticks, God had placed them right there in the heart of where she could get the best medical treatment that uh, a man can, man can offer. And so he, he attributes that, that call uh, unto that. But now God has called him... And this is a man. This is a man that, uh, you know, he's, he's got children, 28, 20, 20, 21 to 20, 28, 30 years old. And so this is not some young man who has nothing. This is a man that had roots. This is a man that had, for all intents and purposes, his life kind of in order in the direction that he thought his life would take. And God said, no, I want you to sell out, sell your house and everything, go buy an RV, and I want you to go talk to the people in, in the prisons and the homeless people out in California. You know why? Because nobody else is. Nobody else is. And so, at, 
at that point in his life approaching retirement he could either say no I'm, I'm pretty comfortable right here I own a home steady income family right around me I, I can you know or I can leave all of them and all of that and go around asking churches to support this mission so I can sustain my existence while I preach the gospel in California. But understand this, that the ability for him to do that is not in him. It's in God. Whatever God calls you to, he will make a way to make it happen. God has blessed him on his deputation. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God has called him, man, a good preacher. Amen. If you heard his message, he's a good preacher, a good man of God, great man of God, and he's going out there now. And I have no doubt that God will supply his need. As long as God called him there, God will supply his need, and I don't, I don't have any doubts in my mind that, that God is the one that called him there. But you know, it, it's always been that way. If you go back and you can look at David and Goliath, little shepherd boy David, God needed someone willing, someone willing to go out and face that giant in his name. David did. Slew the giant. You can go to Moses and Pharaoh. Moses goes before Pharaoh. Essentially, Pharaoh at that time was king of the world. Moses goes before Pharaoh. Who is Moses? Goes before Pharaoh and leads a multitude of people out of captivity. Joshua's conquest in the Canaan land. And I want you to turn with me real quick. Hold your place there, but turn with me to Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3. I'm going to read one verse for you and tell you a story. Oh, a story in one verse of Scripture about a man by the name of Shamgar. Judges chapter 3. If you're unfamiliar with the book of Judges, the book of Judges is where God had set up the theocracy, where God is their king. They have no earthly king. God is their king. They answer unto him. And uh, the problem was not in the order in which God had laid out, but with his people who would continually go astray. So the theme of the book of Judges is the children of Israel would uh, turn away from God and worship false gods so God would bring judgment down. They would cry out unto God for deliverance and God would raise up someone to deliver them. Over and over and over throughout the book of Judges, that's what we find. And prior to this, we see um, uh, Ehud uh, delivering Israel from Moab. And in verse number 31, it's almost like a hiccup in Scripture. And it says this, it says, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. 600 men with an ox goad. What an ox goad was, was essentially a spear with a plow, and they would, they would poke the ox to get him moving in order to till the ground, and they'd use that spade on the other side to clean off that plow. And so that's, that was a farming tool. And yet, God used Shamgar to kill 600 men with that farming tool to deliver his people. Several things you can take from this. Number one, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. God can use the least of these to do great and mighty things. 
But kind of the, the, the instance that sticks out with Shamgar is, in my mind, is a simple phrase in this, doing, doing what you can with what you have. Doing what you can with what you had. Shamgar did not have a sword. He did not have an army. But man, he still was able to deliver the Philistines. Why? Because he was obedient unto God and did what he could with what he had. The problem in accomplishing this mission is the, uh, the ability for it. It is all upon Christ, and Christ is able. Whatever mission it is that you have, He is able. And so the choice lies in you, though, and not in Christ. Whether the mission will be accomplished, whether you'll do the mission God's called you to do or not, is simply a choice. It's, it, it boils down to something as simple as that, a choice. I will be, I'll, I'll be obedient to the call. Here am I, send me. Or, thanks but no thanks. I'll live the life that I want to live, how I want to live it. And there is a recompense for those choices. Either you will choose to serve the risen Savior. You will make that choice. Lay up treasures in heaven, live a life fulfilled uh, live a life of purpose, live a life of meaning, or live a life unto self that so many people have, so many people have wasted the air and the breaths in which God has given them to live a self-centered life. Joshua said this, Joshua twenty four fifteen. I'll close, and, it seem e- if it, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, this is his choice, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made his choice, and, and it, was, it was very simple. He said, listen, what you do, I can't help. If you want to serve those other gods, that's, that, that's on you. If you want to serve the gods of the, uh, your fathers, you know, the ones they went whoring after. If you want to serve the gods of the Amorites, you know, those ones you live around. If you want to serve those gods, listen, we live around a multitude of people that serve other gods. We live around people. We are in in, in, in just (coughs) assaulted by people who serve other gods. And if you want to serve those other gods like they do, if you want to serve the god of money, if you want to serve the god of work, if you want to serve the god of sports, if you want to to serve those gods, man, that's on you. That's, That's fine. But Joshua said this, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's the choice I'm going to make. I'm making that choice for my family. I can only make it for me and and the ones who I am responsible with, just as Joshua did. I can't make it for you. All I can do as a preacher, I can tell you what thus saith the Lord, the, the results of choices that we see all through Scripture, we can see how God has moved and worked through hearts and lives all through Scripture, and... And then I can tell you that, and then, but then I lay it out, but the choice is yours. It's yours. It's all yours. You can do great and mighty things uh, with God, and God can do great and mighty things through you. God can do great and mighty things. It, you do not have to have a degree. You do not have to have... Uh, some special talent, God-given, born talent. You know, some people say they have a talent for this, talent for that. You don't have to have anything like that to do great and mighty things for God. All you have to do is be available because God is the one who is great and mighty. God can take a little shepherd boy that don't do nothing uh, but 
tending sheep and, and slay the giant and rule a kingdom. I mean, God can do it. And if uh, God can do it with uh, Paul, and God can do it with a little uh, shepherd boy as David, and God can do it with uh, no name, nobody as Shamgard, God can do it with me, and God can do it with you. 